You know, uh, Shane, I don't know if, to- if I told you, but when I was living in L.A. and working for Alan White... You played for Fleetwood Mac. No, oh. I didn't, and he didn't. <laughs> um, he lived in the West Hills, West Hills, L.A., and uh, I don't know what got us talking about it, but uh, he's like, well, you know, Mick Fleetwood lives up the street. And this is a little... Hum, not humble, um, middle class neighborhood. You would have never thought. Mm-hmm. I mean, even like the Brady Bunch would have been a bigger house. I um, mean, it would like a little more kind of robust neighborhood. Right? So, super simple, super <laughs> friendly. And I mean, there's so many rock and roll people that lived in that the West Hills mm-hmm. uh, area. I thought you were going to say something like, and I went to his house and we talked no. for a while and we had beers together. Well, and no, but it's just like, he I, lives right over there. Like, well, it's kind of like really? when, oh. when you're like, hey, Hulk Hogan lives right over there. That's right. It's so weird. And that's Lee Major's horse. And yeah. <laughs> Lee Major's horse. Yeah. yeah. And if you look on the other side of that tree, that's if you could see through the leaves, that's the mansion that we, we came over to watch. You know. Yeah, exactly. So. They actually did that to us on a tour bus. Oh, did you do the L.A.? Was it the? It was Nashville, but it was just as terrible. (laughs) (laughs) I'll never do that again. Terrible. Well, so um, why don't you introduce our guest today? I think I will. Right. Our guest is (laughs) is Ron (laughs) Barhalito. Yes. All right, Jim Powell, Powell Chiropractic. Right. Uh, Good friend, client, uh, great business owner. Uh, you've done some really, really cool stuff with your business. We've had a lot of fun. We've had a lot of fun, yeah. and it's a real hoot to talk to you. And uh, looking forward to our, our little chit-chat. So to start our chit-chat, we've got some... I was thinking about what what would be fabulous to sip on. Uh, and this is my favorite rum. Okay. Uh, Bajelito. So uh, I got this in... I got I got introduced to this in Puerto Rico. I went through the Bacardi plant, the Bacardi, like they call it. They're like, not Bacardi. All right, so it's Bacardi. Went through their plant in San Juan, an old tour, and it was super cheesy. <laughs> I mean, it was, you know, one of them cheesy tours. But uh, it got done, and the tour guide, I'm like, now, give it to me straight here, buddy. Like, what? what's the best rum in Puerto Rico? He goes, Barjelito. He's like, that's what we drink in Puerto Rico. I'm like, oh, well, where do I get that? <laughs> you know. And so he introduced me to it, and it's uh, and it's 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 crazy good. At least I like it a lot. So that's what we got here, a little barjalito. <clears throat> yeah, that's a great uh, rum story. I also a fun one. One of my very good friends from Nassau, Bahama, turned me on to Añejo, which was a Bacardi aged rum. And we're sitting on his porch, and he reaches up into the tree that's coming through his porch next to his pool, and he pulls a lime out of the tree, tree, Nice. cuts it, squeezes it, puts it into the into the rum. He said, "That's how we drink it." Oh, in Nassau. Wow. So, Mm. tried to do that in Canton, Ohio, but it didn't work that way. Mm. So great to do this with you guys. Well, so 
love to do this where we're talking about your business. Uh, the whole purpose of this podcast, uh, among other things, is to shine the light on what people are doing uh, for others so that others can go, oh, that's how you do that, uh, to kind of help fan the flames of learning, growing, maturing, really to create epiphanies. Um, and I love to have folks on here that have something to say about what they've done or what they've learned or where they're going or how they're operating. And it's not, you know, I, uh, and I know we have a significant um, relationship, uh, client type relationship. Sure. Uh, and the goal isn't so much to be like, hey, look what I did for you. <laughs> Although, I mean, that's a thing, but. Um, but I really do want you to be able to talk about your business in a way that other business owners, um, can learn from and kind of, cause there, there, there is a stage in your business ownership, uh, that is beautiful now that was less beautiful earlier. Um, and there's some things you learned along the way and some things you've, you're doing differently and there's some things you're doing more of and there's some results uh both on you're missing some things that you want to get rid of right and you've gained some things that you wanted to gain right and so uh so i just want to ask you about some of that sure so first of all just tell tell us about your biz so i'm a second generation chiropractor my father started our business in 1970 so this year will represent 52 years in service to uh, the community in Canton, Ohio, which has been a privilege and an honor to start a business and to grow a business is such a monumental lift. Didn't recognize the efforts that he did to get it to where it was when we stepped in doesn't occur when you step into it. It step, mm-hmm. you, it, it occurs to you or the, the epiphany occurs to you after you're running a business. Um, we had a unique experience to be introduced to uh, to Mark in, in Lodestone through a book called, you know, What the Heck is EOS? Mm-hmm. And in, in the book, What the Heck is EOS? One of the questions in there is, <clears throat> or one of the scenarios, I should say, was that the person in the book started to de- despise aspects of his business. Now, I can't say that I despised anything. I can say that there were aspects of the business that were very, very challenging. Treating patients is my favorite thing. That's the joy. And anybody's, anybody's business has an aspect that they love. Or if they didn't, they wouldn't be in business long. But it's the other stuff that you try to not look at or don't shine the light on and you tolerate one of the things that, that I've learned is that you will be treated however you tolerate. Mm. So when you tolerate challenging aspects in a business, you'll continue to get more and more mm-hmm. challenging aspects of business. Yeah. One of my very best friends, uh, which is a speaker, world, world-renowned guy, um, Gilles Lamarche from uh, Life University, he's a VP, and he told me or taught me this when I was young, and it applies to this so cleanly 
that I feel it's, it's worth uh, me explaining it. Unconscious incompetence mm. is you don't know, you don't know. Mm-hmm. Then there's a thing called conscious incompetence. And conscious competence is you now know, you don't know. There's conscious consciousness. You now know that you know. (laughs) That's awesome. And the very best is unconscious competence. Hmm. You don't even know that you know. And that's a growth. You don't get that in a day. So when you hire a coach and you hire somebody to help you, the first thing that we were blessed with in regards to how Lowstone brought it from unconscious incompetence to conscious competence or conscious incompetence, I should say, excuse me, Mm. is that there were things in the business that we didn't understand were within our control. Um, it doesn't matter if you're doing selling widgets or if you're providing a service or whatever. There are things in business that you tolerate that distract from your business. We call it muddy water. should be clean water. So we had staff members and patients and insurance companies that were causing grief in our business. Mm-hmm. But we didn't know we needed to get rid of them, which is challenging in itself. Mm. So we had to say, I'm sorry, we have to introduce you to the marketplace and find a new job. <laughs> we have to release you to the marketplace is the way we like yeah. to say it. Yeah. And the same thing with certain patients. And we also stopped seeing particular types of insurance just because those insurance companies were so challenging to deal with. Even though in a business sense, it probably was a hard choice in a ease of doing or a pleasure of doing business, it was an easy decision. Mm-hmm. But financially, could be challenging. Mm-hmm. But those decisions had to be made because once you know that you don't know, then you know that you you know once you get to that competence, you can't tolerate mm-hmm. those distractions or that muddy water in your business, and you don't figure that out on your own. Mm. You have to have another set of eyes that at least points the light that direction and makes you look. And I think yeah. that's what happens in a coaching scenario is yeah. that you shine a light on things that you don't look at. Yeah. Yeah, that's well put. I mean, the coaching is somebody looking at you, somebody who can't do what you do, by the way, right? You take a golf coach or a baseball coach or whatever, you don't want them out there playing. Mm-mm. You know, that's not their um, that's not their sweet spot. They have context. They, they know about that stuff. And they may have some history in that stuff, perhaps, but as far as being out on the field. But they're best at getting somebody else to see what they see. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that objectivity, and I call that like self-objectivity, when you think about it, is an oxymoron. Like you can't see yourself. You know what I'm saying? You can't get out your, outside yourself and go, hey, look what an idiot I am, <laughs> you know? Right. Um, and so that's my, 
was my job. <laughs> Ouch. Yeah, look what an idiot you are. Um, in in all love, uh, and it's not really. That's not really what we do. But <laughs> but um, you may think that. You know, but yeah. You don't usually. Uh, say. So sometimes I get home and I'm like, hey, Tanya, I got to tell somebody what an idiot they were and they paid me for it. <laughs> like, can you believe that? <laughs> can you believe these suckers? No, it's no, uh, it's not like that. It's not like that. So you mentioned grief. So talk about, uh, for the value of our listeners, talk about the sorts of grief. What does grief look like in a small business? Of your size. So first of all, what's what size is your business? Like give us a, you know, revenue, uh, number of employees, that, that kind of folks, folks working. Just give us a, paint a little picture of the business. We're in the neighborhood of $2 million in services, mm-hmm. and we have approximately 12 employees. Mm-hmm. Approximately? <laughs> well, we're trying to add to our list, so... Okay, I'm we're, like we're well, in an employee yeah, shortage. Ten or twelve, you know, <laughs> eleven or thirteen. I'm just thinking, like, is one of them a semi-employee? <laughs> like, what is it? A, an approximate employee? I just thought I'd poke at shit a little bit. He's giving you a hard time. <laughs> that's his job. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. And when we first started Lodestone, we had 28 employees, mm. and we are also doing approximately the same amount of service. Mm. Mm. So. That in itself is a significant change in operation. Yeah. So, so I'm, I'm, you know, I was there, but I'm doing the math for our listeners. So, 28 employees, roughly two million in revenue. You shrunk to 11 or 12 or 13, roughly two million in revenue. Right. Correct. So, are you working twice as hard? Actually, we're working less than we did from before. We're being more effective mm-hmm. in what is it we're doing. More pro- productive, more efficient. Correct. More, yeah, le- uh, same energy, better results, maybe. So if I had told you that, uh, and we've been working, we, th- we figured, we were just talking about this earlier, two-ish years. If I had told you that three years ago, hey, Jim, <laughs> uh, what, what, what would you say if you could do half the number of people and get the same, have the same revenue, uh, and everybody's happier, your clients are happier, your people are happier, your accountant is happier, um, what would you say? It would have been very tough for me to believe that you knew what you were talking about. <laughs> what planet are you from, brother? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's... it's uh. It's a hard sell. I mean, from this side of the table, talking to a business owner going, buddy, uh, it doesn't have to be this way, you know? And a lot of times, folks on the other side of the table are like, uh-uh, no, you don't understand. Like, I'm, spe- I'm unique. I have this unique story. You know, I have these unique employees and these unique clients and this unique marketplace you know, and the challenge is kind of going, well, actually, you don't. I mean, you do-ish. I mean, there is some, there's some uniqueness to everything that we're doing, obviously. But, but the, you know, having a small business has common factors, really common factors, you know. Even a big business mm-hmm. has about the same common factors. Mm-hmm. They're just different. Yeah, there's more zeros. Yeah. That's all it is, more yeah. zeros. After it, I have a number of clients that are, uh, you know, if you take, 
two-ish million and you add a zero and you add a zero, 20 million, 200 million, I'm, I'll tell you, same problems, but they're harder. Like they're exponentially harder for them to see their right. way through it, but it's exactly the same. Uh, maybe more, there's more mass to everything. Right. But it's the same root issues. Correct. You know, so. The key component is being able to be coached. Mm. So if somebody's choosing to bring somebody on for shining lights in dark places and making you aware of where you could be more effective or less costly to your business, you have to be willing to allow them to teach you. Mm. So it's the guy that thinks that he knows everything will never be able to change his business. And sometimes he is right and he's got to do it his way. But the majority of people, they have to be coachable hmm. or you can't change, you can't grow. So if you were to say, uh, and I, I want you to talk about two different things from your vantage point. Um, one is, what does it look like to be coachable? What's your coachable? So you've learned, uh, you've learned, you've come along in your ability to be coachable. And so talk about that. So I think that the key is, is that once you identify that there's a problem in the way that you're operating your business, you can choose to ignore it or you can choose to try to change it. And it's being willy, willing to look at the problem and understanding it exists. We had, for example, a very, very sweet, wonderful Christian woman working for us that was just darling. However, she didn't fit in our business. She, did, she actually distracted from what we were trying to accomplish. Mm. So prior to going through a coaching scenario and, and understanding where there were disruptions in your business, once we identified that she unfortunately was one of the disruptions, then we knew that she couldn't stay. We would not have made that decision for her because we liked her. Yeah. Not because she did a, even a bad job. She just didn't fit in what we were trying to, trying to do. Mm. And so when we begrudgingly took the advice, understood that it was correct, made the decision and let her go, the patients noticed changes. The other staff mm. grew and blossomed in areas that we didn't know they had in them till we got the whole, I hate to say the bad apple because she really wasn't a bad apple. She just didn't fit our core values. She didn't fit our business. Mm -hmm. And when we understood what our core values are, understood what our business was, it's easy to see what doesn't fit. Mm -hmm. And as you yeah. do that, it becomes a more enjoyable yeah. reason to get up in the morning. Yeah. Well, so I want to ask you about core values in a minute, but um, but on this coachable element, and, I, and from my angle... Uh, I can kind of predict if somebody's going to, I mean, aside, so t setting aside, hey, we got this product or service that the marketplace wants 
and is willing to pay a reasonable margin for, right? So we can go out and get this service and deliver it to a client and make a margin. All right, so setting that aside. Um, there are, uh, so when folks come to me and like, hey, I want you to, want you to coach me, uh, quote unquote, I can tell early if they're coachable, I suppose. I guess, and that's what I'm trying to ask you is, <clears throat> what has that looked like for you to grow in your ability to be coached? Well, like what, so what, so some other business owner out there is going, what do you mean coach? You know, I'm like, all right. And so, so talk to that business owner, like brother, you need to adjust this way and adjust that way and get comfortable with X, Y, Z and become a better, uh, coachable, more coachable business owner. Well, my dad, I don't think co uh, coined this phrase, but he uses it a lot and I firmly believe in it. It's, it's called inspirational dissatisfaction. Mm. So if you're not dissatisfied with your business, mm. then you're not in, in the market or looking for mm. a coach. If you're dissatisfied with your business, you now need to be inspired to change it. Mm. If you're choosing to change it, if you created your own problem, mm -hmm. you not, can't necessarily create your own solution. You got to bring another set of eyes or another vehicle or another tool in your tool bag to change what you're dissatisfied with. Mm. The real kick is that when you're dissatisfied with your business and you don't know why. Yeah. And that's where a lot of business owners are, in my opinion. Mm. They just think it's the status quo. Oh, this is just how business is. Mm. That's not necessarily true. And, and that's where you have to be willing to have somebody else give some insight. And that's where being coachable, in my opinion, is the key to hmm. growing your business. So what, for you, what was the trigger? Like, at what point did you sit down and say, Jim? And Jim says, yeah. And you're like, listen to me. Uh, like, you had, a little, you had a little powwow with yourself. And what did that look like, you know, three years ago or whatever? Like, this ain't working. Or if they ain't working good enough or something like that. Well, it was an interesting time, and I'm not proud of this scenario, but this is the way it went down. Uh, my father had uh, created a very, very successful chiropractic clinic, and this is 45 days before COVID hits. Mm. The accountant comes to us and says, I don't know what you're doing, but if you stay on this same path, you're going to put your dad's business out of business. Mm. And we really did not see that coming. So so that was that a newsflash? It wasn't a newsflash as much as much as it was we didn't understand the ramifications or the or the volume mm. of the problem. We knew there was an issue um, how things work in the in the in a medical office or chiropractic clinic for that matter is the insurance reimbursements continue to go down. Mm. The cost to operate your business continues to go up. Mm. So you have this inverted mm -hmm. wedge right. that mm. if you stay the status quo, because your reimbursements continue to decrease, you slowly put yourself into a harder, harder cash flow position. Right. And so 
we knew that was happening. It wasn't a newsflash that they began or has have been paying uh, providers less for years and years, but we didn't understand the ramification to our own personal business. Mm-hmm. When that happened, my partner and I, uh, my brother-in-law, fabulous uh, doctor, said we need to change what we're doing. And we had already been exposed to EOS. We already been exposed to some different principles in business and said, we need to relearn how to run a business. Mm. And so we're reading books and we're listening to podcasts and we're doing all this stuff even before Mm -hmm. we found uh, uh, True North, Lodestone. My brother-in-law's on his way to uh, Indians Fantasy Camp. Mm. And he's sitting in the airport. He's reading. He's headed to Arizona, right? To Goodyear? He's headed to Goodyear. He's reading What the Heck is Eos, Mm. which is a book I'd recommend Mm -hmm. everybody read. And while he's sitting in the airport waiting for his next flight, a business owner comes out of nowhere and says, I don't know who you are or Mm. why you're reading that book, but it's the most important thing that I could Mm. tell you to do and read it and knowledge it and read it and digest it and read it and read it. He said, you need that Mm. because it changed our life. Mm. So Chip comes back from fantasy camp and he's like, we got to do this. Mm. And interestingly enough, our integrator or our office manager Mm -hmm. that a lot of offices would call, she had said that on day one that Mm. we needed to do the coaching. Mm. Like it was, it was an immediate yes for her, Mm -hmm. but it took Chip and I uh, a minute Mm-hmm. to digest that and and then to pull yeah. the trigger and yeah and then we did shortly thereafter that mm. and that's when we got connected yep well so uh so if some business owners out there going you know yeah i got a significant business and it's not doing what i know it could do and i don't know exactly what to do about it um what would you suggest as a kind of a baby steps? Maybe, and I guess speak to their head trash or speak to their kind of like, all right, how should they prepare themselves? Uh, and I got a secondary question here around, um, you know, good coaching, I suppose, because it's important to be coachable. Uh, but if you're coachable with a bad coach, like that's a deadly combination. <laughs> Right, so you want to be coachable and have a good coach as well, but correct. But um, so talk about maybe your personal coachable uh, attitude, or how you've found that you've had to adjust your attitude or adjust your, uh, I don't know, vantage, uh, not vantage point, but your just yeah, your attitude. What does that look like for you early on? So early. You start coaching, and you're looking at life and business and so on and so forth one way, and that eventually shifted some. Uh, so what did that look like for you? What sort of things did you have to think differently or do differently? I think that the, the key component is understanding you have a problem, like I said earlier, mm-hmm. then seeking help. I don't care if you're talking about your business or your personal life, spiritual life, whatever it is that you're seeking, then you find advisors inside that group and then you ask their advice. Mm. So uh, a premier CPA that we had hired in a very uh, unfortunate 
uh, employee issue. We actually had our CPA that was running all of our books, uh, had a medical situation and left us. So we went from relying solely on one person to not having anybody do any of it for us, mm. payroll, AR, I mean, oh. payable, anything. Mm. So we brought in a, uh, a, a well-paid um, advisor, and she said from the very get-go, I'm not here for long-term. Mm. I have to help get you out of this crisis. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And she's the one that handed us the book, What the Heck is EOS? And she's the one that said, I've been doing this a long time. I can see the writing on the wall. You need mm. to pray about this and you need mm. to make some changes. Mm -hmm. So when we met with you on the first time, it was more of an interview process. What's my heart saying that we need to do for our business? And I believe that that internal voice is the Holy Spirit, mm. guides your business, guides your personal life. Mm. So by asking the Holy Spirit, what do we need to do here? Mm -hmm. And the Holy Spirit, was, in my opinion, was very clear you got to head this direction. Mm -hmm. And there's a, there's a, a wonderful poem, which I don't know by heart, but it starts off until one is committed, there's hesitancy, a chance to draw back always in effectiveness. And the key component of that is you have to be committed 100%. There is no sitting on the fence. You got to get on one side or the other. And if you're going to make a decision to change your business, your personal life, whatever it is, you have to go 100% and give it everything you got. And if you fail, you're going to learn more from that fail than any win you ever would get, but you got to give it 100% to learn anything from it. So that epiphany has to happen mm. that you're willing to give it everything you have. Mm. And so if the business owner out there that's wondering how to change their business but wants to do it half-heartedly mm -hmm. don't bother yeah right keep yeah. your keep, keep keep yourself the way you are yeah. don't pay the money yeah don't do the work yeah because it's not going to pay off for you right. yeah yeah you got to be all in correct you know and and all in in a way that um you're ready you're just like it's all on the table mm -hmm. uh, one of the things i tell owners that are operators which are two different hats you know this but is you as an owner you have to be willing to fire the operator and a lot of times that's yourself or your brother or your wife or a kid or a parent or a cousin you know a, a, a friend uh, for if if the business is worth if it has a reason to exist and a reason to flourish beyond money then it's all on the table. You're, you have to be willing to pull levers for the benefit of the business, assuming that the business is there for the benefit of mankind at some level. It's all about the why, mm. which is what I think that you were just headed towards. Yeah. So um, many different authors and many different video podcasts, but the one that I think that uh, hits the home the most is that Simon Sinek mm -hmm. that talks about the why. And Darren Hardy also does a very good job. And the way that Darren Hardy pointed it out to me that helped me understand how not only to understand my why, but to find it, which you can't do on your own. Mm. You need help finding your why. But if you put a plank down on a board and I say, I'll give you $20 to walk across that plank, no problem. 
-hmm. It's flat on the floor, walk right across it. Mm -hmm. Put it four stories up between two buildings. Mm -hmm. I'm going to give you the same 20 bucks. Right, right. You're like, are you crazy? I'm not doing that. Right. Now light that other building on fire. Put your kid Mm -hmm. on that building. You're walking that plank. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter about the 20 bucks. Right, right. So that's the why. Yeah. So you have to have a strong why. That's right. And if you have the strong why, then the how becomes easy. Yeah, that's great. And I, I, that's one of the things when I'm interviewing, if you will, or, uh, you know, sometimes I'll say, well, I'll cash people's check regardless, but that's not true. Um, when I'm dealing with a, a, a potential client, uh, that's one of the things I'm looking for is do they have a compelling reason besides money? And the folks that money is the why, they're hard to work with they don't actually make at least from my experience they they tend to not make good decisions they're not fun to work with their clients and staff generally turn over a lot and it beca- it just becomes very transactional and icky early uh so i'm looking for a good why too just want to kind of go hey you guys doing something really really cool that uh, is gonna, you know, to Steve Jobs, uh, a comment, put a dent in the universe. That was his deal. Like he went right. around like, Hey, you want to help me put a dent in the universe? Right. You know, like, well, that's cool. That sounds cool. Uh, that sounds better than, Hey, do you want to try to make a crazy amount of money? Which I, you know, there's nothing wrong with that necessarily, but it kind of wears thin, I think. It, pretty it, quick. It, it's not consistent. That's right. And it's, it's a little not motivating. It's a little cheesy, you know, too. A little, a little greasy. Um, so, what is your why then? So, in our in our clinic and in our personal, is everybody wants to leave a legacy. Everybody wants to have made a mark on this planet because they were here. But if you can help somebody do that job more effectively, because whatever was impeding them, most of the time was their health, mm-hmm. stop them from being able to make that impact or to leave that legacy. If you can help that person live a healthier, happier life mm-hmm. in a way that makes a difference mm-hmm. for you, for this community, for this world, that's a service. Mm-hmm. And like my president of my chiropractic college said, which I love to say all the time, money is just a product of services rendered. Mm. So if you want more money, render more services. And if you want higher quality money, render higher quality services, regardless of what mm. business you're in. Because mm-hmm. it's not, cannot ever be about money to be long lasting. Yeah. We all have known and met business owners that it's all about the dollar. They're not long lasting. They don't leave a legacy. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. I love your, uh, what do we have, uh, about the health, uh, coach. How how do we say that? Um, your natural health coach for life. Yes. Yeah. 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 I love that. So it's not, it's not just like, Hey, does your, do your bones hurt? Do your joints hurt? You know, are you, you have a spasm in your back? Do you have some sort of uh, spine issue, et cetera. Right. Yeah. 
well, but you're you're doing more than that. You're beyond that. You're you're more uh, global than that, and and that I think is really cool that you're not just cracking backs and joints and stuff. Well, si- relieving a symptom is pretty simple. Aspirin relieves a symptom. An adjustment is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. It also does relieve symptoms mm-hmm. pretty quickly. But changing somebody's health is more about lifestyle change. And the only way to do that is to get to know them. What is it that their needs and wants and their goals? How do they operate their life? And then if they're willing to make some changes, they'll see changes in their longevity. They'll see changes in their function. So the coaching that we do with patients is easy for us, but sometimes hard for us to accept, especially if it was in a business sense. So your position's no different than pretty much any other provider, in my opinion, is you want to see what the problems are that's giving about the symptom. Like somebody's symptom in my world might be headaches or back pain or mm. infertility or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yours might be mm. they actually are spending mm. more money than they're yeah. making and yeah, right, their, right. their business is headed right. the wrong direction. Right. Tell the story if you can, I think you can, um, about your dad and the, and the fertility deal. Oh, that's awesome. So my father, like I said, started Powell Chiropractic Clinic uh, in 1970. So this is probably early 80s. Mm-hmm. And in our hometown, there was really one grocery store that anybody went to. Mm-hmm. And my dad's chiropractic clinic was in front of this grocery store. So he had a patient come in that had an infertility issue Mm -hmm. and uh, he hadn't seen her in a little while. So he happened to go to the grocery store to pick up dinner for Mm -hmm. probably me. And in that time frame, there was, you know, long skinny aisles in the grocery store in this IGA. She's at one end, he's at the other, and there's a couple of dozen people Mm -hmm. between them. Well, she's a wonderful, vivacious, very loud, wonderful woman, sees dad at the end of the hallway and yells down the hallway in the grocery store, Jim, Jim, you got me pregnant. (laughs) And the entire grocery store silence, everybody's head turns and looks at my dad and he goes, Linda. Explain yourself, explain yourself. Loudly. So, but in in our particular scenario, we see this quite a bit. Um, If the nerves of the back that go to the female reproductive system or male reproductive system have pressure on it, then that system doesn't function properly. So if you restore the nerve function, then the system restores. Go figure. So her back was out of place. She wasn't able to conceive by doing alignments of their spine and giving her mm-hmm. proper nutrition, mm-hmm. she was able to conceive that she hadn't been able to. Yeah. And mm. we see that all the time at the clinic, which is a miracle. Yeah, love yeah. it. I love that you have that kind of impact on folks. We, my family, we've been involved in, are going to chiropractors for years. And I would, I would, I would, and you tell me if I'm right about this, but I, div- I divide up or I kind of partition off what I see chiropractic as from a, from a client perspective is uh, there's the guys cracking backs, you know, 
hey, my back hurts or whatever, or go in and get cracked, adjusted. And then, uh, and this is where my family's tapped into chiropractor. And this is my own experience. Like I, I kind of was like, oh, these chiropractors are really different from these, you know, and they're much more involved in whole, I would, I would say whole body connectivity, you know, like, Hey, this is a whole body, not just your spine. Although your spine is right in the middle of your whole body is a big deal. Um, but, uh, you know, so kinesiology and all that, you know, various, there's a number of, of uh, I don't know, uh, sciences or modalities, maybe is a better way to put it, that are, that are kind of revolve around uh, spinal uh, or nervous system stuff. Sure. Right? Is, that, is that fair? So It's fair. It's no different than medicine. So like in medicine, you may have a doctor that just does podiatry or feet, and then you may have a or a doctor that may do only specific joints. Mm -hmm. Then you have general practitioners. Mm -hmm. And so those general practitioners are called primary healthcare mm -hmm. providers. So what we see ourselves at is a natural primary healthcare provider. Mm -hmm. um, and how we see it is that we actually don't do anything. Mm -hmm. The body does mm -hmm. everything. So if the body can heal a cut in your arm without stitches or neosporin or a Band-Aid, mm -hmm. that may not look like a good healing. You may have a very terrible scar if you did not use some of those other tools. Mm -hmm. But it's not the neosporin that heals the body. It's not the stitches. It's not the Band-Aid. It's mm -hmm. the body's own energy. Right. So if the brain transmits that energy down the spinal column to the body, mm -hmm. the greater that you can alleviate any imbalance, mm. the better the healing response. Mm -hmm. So there are doctors that don't uh, choose in medicine to become whole body providers. They just want to focus on uh, podiatry. They only want to focus on a specific area of the body. Mm -hmm. And other doctors go to great lengths to see the whole body and be able to treat any and all symptom. Mm -hmm. So there are chiropractors that choose maybe to be more of a pain mm -hmm. chiropractor. And there's chiropractors that choose to do injury-based mm -hmm. care. And then there's chiropractors that only do sports. Mm -hmm. So we've been blessed to be able to be um, encouraged mm -hmm. to treat all of these cases to the very best of our ability. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's great. I, I love it. I, I uh, have had uh, really great experiences with the a number of, I would say, talented, gifted, um, whole, um, uh, whole body mm -hmm. chiropractors. I have a lot of respect for that. Um, so if you were to maybe speak to the business owner who, and this is, it's, it's really interesting how being a chiropractor and a business coach are similar, very similar, yeah. you know, cause I'm not like you're fixing your business. You know, I'm not fixing it. I mean, I'm helping you see some stuff right? and poking at you a little bit and going, Hey, you're going to do that thing. Did you do that thing? Uh, what thing did you do? Are you sure that's the thing you need to do? And, but you're doing it like you're actually doing it. And right. just like you're saying, you're encouraging people to allow their bodies to be their bodies and do what their bodies are designed to do. Um, 
So, uh, to, so speak to the business owner who's about to go out and find a coach, uh, who's going to say, all right, enough's enough. Like this business isn't where it should be for one. For, and, and I don't know why maybe. Uh, and so I'm going to go out and start looking. So what should, what, from your angle anyway, what should they, what should this person with a $5 million business or a 2 million or 10 million that's going, it's no fun. It's not making enough money. We're not getting enough results, whether it's money or impact or accolades or, or excellence quality, uh, you know, we're susceptible to market pressures. Uh, it's ruining my life, my family, whatever, you know, it's costing too much of the good stuff. Uh, I need to do something about it. I'm going to go find a coach. What would you tell that person? Uh, reach out to the successful businesses in your marketplace. Mm. What are they doing? Who are they mm. experiencing with? Because not everybody that we have the opportunity to speak to is going to be in northeastern Ohio. Mm -hmm. So you find the businesses that are successful, then you ask them, what are you doing as far as coaching? Mm -hmm. Trust me, most of them are. Mm. So Tiger Woods has a putting coach. Mm. You know, Peyton Manning has a, a coach that helps him with all different aspects. So there's... There's not a player in a professional league. So if you want to play at that higher level, mm. then you're going to have to find somebody to help you reach that. And so circle of influence would be your accountant, mm. your attorneys, and successful business owners in your community. Mm -hmm. um, read as much as you possibly can. Mm. If you're not reading right now or you don't choose to, at least do podcasts while you're driving. Mm -hmm. You have a mobile library as you're driving to and from your house to work or right. wherever you're going. Right. Instead of listening to the radio, listen to a podcast, listen to a book on tape mm. and in business stuff. Mm -hmm. What was interesting to me is that I had already read and digested quite a few of the books that mm. already em embodies this system mm -hmm. and the EOS system mm -hmm. was based on people that I'm already exposed mm -hmm. to. Yeah. Jim Collins and Pat Lencioni and Correct. et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. And those are the guys, in my opinion, that makes the difference, mm -hmm. you know, and then be willing at, begin with the end in mind mm -hmm. as, um, Stephen Covey mm -hmm. puts in with the seven habits mm -hmm. is you have to find somebody in my opinion, that's going to replace you that can do a better job than you. That's a level five leader. Mm -hmm. If you're willing to learn and, and study and be the best you can, it's going to force that next person that's going to take over your position mm -hmm. to up the scale. Mm -hmm. So if you want to give your business to somebody that does a poor job compared to you, mm -hmm. your business won't last. So you have to set up a structure that's going to do that. And the only way you're going to do that is with knowledge. Hmm. Um, what would you, uh, you got any, what's your favorite business books? So, or any books like from that matter, but, but, but books that you've, if, if you were to, and I'm going to modify this question a little bit. So if you were to say, all right, 
I'm going to boil all this down to my five favorite books. If you're going to hand five books to a business owner to get them to, uh, to go, oh my gosh, mm -hmm. you know, epiphany fest, if you will, light bulb moments, right. what, what five would you so, shove over to them? You have good to great with Jim Collins. Mm -hmm. um, the seven and eight habits of highly successful, pe successful people, Stephen Covey. Mm-hmm all of Patrick Lencioni's fables yeah, because there isn't a scenario that he writes about that mm. you won't have. Mm -hmm. And the way that they're written, they're quick reads, mm -hmm. you know, have you read the advantage? Yes. I, that was, I think that One to of my me favorites. is a kind of all encompassing of his. Right. Okay. So that's three. So a uh, good, great seven habits, uh, Pat Lencioni, you could say the advantage or something. Right. Else? Well, uh, the the wisest person that ever lived on the planet was gifted by God to be discerning. Mm -hmm. And he wrote all of these things in the book mm -hmm. of Proverbs. Mm -hmm. So one of those five books has to be the Bible. And in, mm -hmm. in the Bible, in my opinion, Proverbs, yeah, something that favorite. should be focused on yeah. cleanly. If you were to ask me, like, hey, dude, there's 66 books in the Bible. Which one are you taking? And Proverbs. Yeah. That's my go-to. I go can't. To. I could probably throw in a few others after that, but man, Proverbs is head and, heads and shoulders above the others. Correct. In, in my, at least for me. And then what was unique is that a friend of ours, um, kind of crazy, uh, him and another gentleman took the book of Proverbs and cut it mm. up. Mm. So they took multiple different Bibles mm -hmm. and they cut the verses out and then they mm. combined the verses into topics. Mm. This so, is uh, Ber Bernie... Uh, Bernie Torrance and John Schrock. Okay, yeah, yeah. And interestingly enough, Bernie Torrance's younger sister was my dad's office manager. Okay. So it's called Lored. Mm -hmm. And if you're interested in going to their website, it's lared.org. Mm. And they have the entire book of Proverbs boiled down into lessons. Mm. And each lesson is a principle. And each one of these principles is how you drive not only your life, but your business. They break it down by verse or by chapter or what? By, by uh, topic. So okay. trustworthiness. Okay. Um, honesty, mm -hmm. you know, so all of the basics, diligence, uh, stuff like that. Correct. Got it. And so there's, uh, I believe there's 42 different principles and you're supposed to do one principle per week for 42 mm -hmm. weeks, mm -hmm. um, to, in, in a, in a roundabout, uh, mm -hmm. session with yeah. other people. Yeah. At a, like a round table. It's a round table. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's cool. Yeah. It's cool. All right. So you, you're going to, you're going to say to this guy who's going to pick a coach like hey buddy you got to read these five books four or five well we got four so proverbs mm -hmm. what's the fifth one that's a great question i would have to say i love darren hardy's stuff mm. and there are there are two basic scenarios with darren hardy that i think have tremendous value um, the entrepreneur roller coaster is probably the, mm. the one that everybody should read. Um, it, it gives you the blueprint on how to start a business. And if you're already in an existing business, it helps point out to you where maybe you could have started out mm. a little more effectively mm. so you can go back and repair mm. and it's a quick read. Mm. So I would say that's probably number five. Mm. So, you mentioned core values earlier, and that's one of the things we love talking about. Um, so 
Talk about, first of all, first of all, what are your core values? So we have five core values, um, and I'll give a little explanation of each one to try to give some basic of where it is. And if we use the acronym STORY is how it's easy to remember. Mm -hmm. So service above self, and the acronym is SASI. And what we're looking for is not only patients, staff, and vendors that we deal with to have the understanding that they have to serve above their own needs, have a greater compulsion to serve than survive. Mm. Um, tribe. So we're huge Cleveland Indians fans, and I did say Indians mm -hmm. on purpose. Amen. <laughs> and that. whether you're talking about a Native American tribe or you're talking about the Cleveland Indians, you can't get to the World Series on pitching. You can't get to the World Series on hitting. Every player has to do their very best in their role to get there. American uh, Indian tribe, if you didn't do your part in the tribe, you were pushed out of the tribe. If you were pushed out of the tribe back in those times, you perished because mm -hmm. that was your source of food and protection. Um, one face is the next core value. The analogy is if your mom said no to you getting a popsicle when you were a kid and you ran over to dad and he says yes, that's not being one face. Mm. So one face is what you see is what you get. Yeah. As what, opposed to two-faced. Correct. Right? Yeah, we don't, whether it's a vendor or a patient yeah. or a staff member, if, if somebody um, isn't willing to be 100% honest and upfront with us, then we do our very best to release them to the marketplace mm. yeah, and allow them to find their that. own way. Yeah, I love that. I heard that from uh, uh, um, Southwest Airlines. I had met the, a couple of the execs at El Pat Lencioni Conference. Right. Right about the time we started working together, actually. Okay. And uh, they said, you know, if they don't match our core values, we, we promote them to customer. Correct. And I'm like, wait a minute, what is that? <laughs> you know, it took me a minute, but then I was like, oh, yeah, got it. So I love that. Um, and then Rudy okay. is our next core value. And uh, Rudy Rudiger from the movie Rudy uh, knew he wasn't going to play on Notre Dame's field, but he played with everything he had at every moment, every practice, every event, um, the, you know, first one in and last one out type of personality. Mm -hmm. And because of that, we ask of ourselves and our patients and our staff and our vendors, we want the same type of dedication. Mm -hmm. um, and then the last one was one of our, our favorite uh, employees. Whatever you asked her to do, her response was, you got it, Doc. Mm. So our fifth uh, core value is you got it, Doc. And what that means to us is even if it's doing an ultrasound on 
uh, an area that they're not interested in or doing a, a treatment for somebody that may not have the hygiene component or whatever you want to talk about it, mm-hmm. willing to do whatever it takes mm-hmm. regardless for the service or for the, uh, the patient. So you got it, doc means a lot to us. Mm. Tell that story, uh, willing to do whatever it takes. I'm taking notes here. You're, you're making me right, buddy. I love it. That's great. Um, Tell the story, though. One time uh, we were in a session and you were making a decision of uh, you were about to pull the trigger on that vendor. That's what it was. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. We were working through. Yeah. Hey, we had some billing issues. This billing and you're going to pick this, you know, and you're going to pull the trigger. And and uh, I don't remember how it came up exactly, but uh, the core values came in. So so tell, tell about that. So prior to coaching we would make a lot of emotional decisions mm. based on who we're going to do business with or what we're going to do. Like, like, does it feel right or does it sound right? Or right. Hey, this seems right or, you right. know, right. Okay. Kind of, you know, shoot, then aim kind of thing. Shoot, aim, fire. So, um, we had the understanding that we felt that our reimbursements were dwindling beyond what we should accept. So we looked at our billing person as being the culprit, the problem. Mm-hmm. And so we did an extensive research on what new billing company we're going to do. Now, I don't know if you've ever changed software or you ever changed the billing in, in, in your business, but it's a monumental mm-hmm. lift. Hours and mm-hmm. hours of research and meetings and PowerPoints mm-hmm. and, you know, is this the right mm-hmm. company and sifting through a ton of promises, you know. Mm-hmm. So we come down to the wire and we're about to pull the trigger and you said, does the company that you're choosing to work with meet your core values? And we're like, well, we didn't, we didn't look at that. So we said, okay. So we stopped and we started to focus on those five core values mm-hmm. of the new company that we were going to hire. Mm-hmm. They didn't meet any of them. <laughs> The yeah. previous company that we mm. were about to fire met all of them mm. how wholeheartedly. Long, how, how long did it take us to figure that out? Well, after you pointed it out to us, like 30 seconds. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so we brought, we have a special room that we do all of our leadership team mm. meetings in. And it's a, it's a private room. It's a locked mm. door. Mm-hmm. Nobody's invited in. Mm-hmm. So we bring this billing person into our room and she knows that we mm-hmm. have not been happy. So she thinks she's getting fired. <laughs> she's getting a boot, right? <laughs> so we bring her in and we this say- is the, uh, This is the uh, uh, principal's office, if correct. you will, right? <laughs> okay. And we bring her in and we said, Dawn, we just wanted to tell you we've been looking at other companies and- your company fits our core values. And soon as we said fits, she starts to cry. Mm. Then we all start to cry because this mm. is an emotional moment yeah. because we're probably one of her biggest clients. Mm-hmm. And, but she's taken such good care of us. And the, the, the funny thing is, is that the services that we were getting before were really good. Mm. Now, they're exceptional. Mm, wow. So we 
I identified who really fit us mm. and because we let her know how well she fit us, she's doing an even better job than she was doing before and she was doing a good job then. Yeah. And is she happier? Yeah. Yeah. And it's not it's not like, hey, we're gonna get you to work harder. Nope. Right. It's just that it's the magic. It's like you dump some magic on that stuff <clears throat> and things just work better. Yeah. It's yeah. smarter, not harder. Yeah. 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 I love it. That was a lot of fun. I remember coming home from that going, Hey, hey, Tanya, my wife. You never believe what happened today. And it's just these little these little kind of I don't know, war stories or whatever, battle stories are just so cool. That's yeah. one of the coolest parts about being a business coach is knowing that uh you folks, all my clients are going out there doing better, happier, making better, making more results. Uh, and and for my why, as a side note, um, you know, small business is the lifeblood of our culture, really, our community, Correct. if you will, paying taxes. Uh, employees are paying taxes, uh, school systems, uh, you know, roads and stuff like that and voting uh people you know making decisions and so forth and you as a business owner have this big voice in these people's lives mm -hmm. you know and they're looking to you they're going hey boss you know how are you doing things and uh help me out help me figure this out you know you have this kind of bully pulpit if you will and that's my big why for business coaching i get to help people like you be better at helping your employees be awesome, you know, and have an impact. And when their lives are happier and healthier mm -hmm. and they enjoy what they're doing, the entire business, patient care, mm -hmm. your ability showing up in the mornings, you look forward to coming in. One of the things that we mm -hmm. coined a phrase with you is, you know, Monday's the new Friday. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's when we know we're in the land of awesome. Yeah. Right? Right. Monday morning, you're like, man, I get to go to work today. Exactly. Can't wait. Are you there? Yes. You're there? Oh, yeah. We've been there for a long time. Oh, man. But now our most of our staff is too. Yeah. So. That's cool. That's cool. Well, so um, what is it? How do, you, uh, how do you hire and fire around core values without going into HR compliance and stuff and right you know hr hipaa if you will you know and i gotta tell you the other day <laughs> my so my wife my wife's a medical practitioner and uh she'll come home and and and, and her previous gig uh, she'll come home and talk about some patient you know we're getting ready to have dinner or whatever and um she uh we had been talking about this particular patient which is real heartbreaking a lot of times are heartbreaking situations like she was at this time working in uh, oncology hmm. at, at a big hospital. And uh, so she's like, hey, we should pray for that person before we have dinner. So, uh, and not, this is this is funny, but it's not funny because of the person. Um, so I'm like, well, Lord, uh, we need to pray for this person. I can't tell you who it is because of HIPAA, but... Um, <laughs> You know, <laughs> so HIPAA aside, or, or HR HIPAA, if you will, uh, tell us what it's like. Tell us how you use the core values to hire and fire, practically. 
Well, the, the easy thing is, is that we have um, an application process. And right now with our uh, employee shortage, most of the people that are applying, we have asked them, Do you, are you interested in putting an application in? Because mm. either they're patients mm. or they're connected to the clinic in one way or another. Yeah, through. So we already have seen them in action with some of these core values. Now, on a cold, uh, like a cold call style application. Mm-hmm. So if somebody just dials up, hey, I'm looking for a job at a chiropractic clinic. Correct. Are you guys hiring? So what Amanda, our integrator, does is she goes through all five of our core values and then tells... On, on the phone. On the so phone. They're like, hi, my name's Susie. I want to know if you're looking for a, a chiropractic assistant or an x-ray tech or... Right. Right. Typically, they'll put in a paper application and then she'll call them okay. on a quick one-on-one. And then say says to the person on the phone, so of those five things that I just uh, explained to you, mm-hmm. do any of them have a opportunity in your life that you could understand or share a story mm-hmm. with that relates to one of those mm-hmm. five? Mm-hmm. The person that says, um, could you tell me what those were again? Yeah. yeah. That, that's a no. How much is this job paying? Yeah. Right? Yeah. So we understand, mm. they understand who we are first. Mm-hmm. Then we try to figure out who they are mm. second. Then do they fit in our clinic third? And they do they fit sometimes can take a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, we're getting better at determining if someone fits or not. Mm-hmm. And I think we'll continue to improve. Yeah. In the past, yeah. somebody could coast along yeah, right. and not be identified. That doesn't yeah. happen anymore. That's the, uh, that's the old fog the mirror test. Correct. Right? <laughs> so you said something earlier. I think this was your, I guess it was Darren Hardy, the unconscious incompetence. Was that Darren Hardy? Who was that? Um, actually, I think it is... Um, so Jim Collins's coach was Peter Drucker. Yeah. I think it's Peter Drucker. Yeah, yeah. Is, is, is Man, the, have is, you ever read any of his books? Yeah. It's a... He's brilliant. He's, he's brilliant. It's, it's like... It's a tough it's read. Like eating your broccoli, yeah. buddy. I mean, that's my... Eating your broccoli is my uh, standard uh, phrase for doing the hard stuff. Yeah. Although I love broccoli, so it's not adequate. It's not accurate. But that sounds like a Peter Drucker thing. All it's a Peter long. Drucker thing. So. And, but I think that uh, my good friend, Jill Marsh, which is a speaker for the chiropractic seminars, mm-hmm. um, he's the one that brought it to my attention early on when I was a student in mm-hmm. school. Yeah. And it rang so true to me then, you know, you're talking 30 some years ago Yeah. that I, I heard that for the first time. Yeah. And if mm-hmm. you can understand unconscious incompetence and then understand unconscious competence. If you can get to unconscious competence, mm-hmm. meaning you don't even know, you know the right thing. Yeah. That's where you're going to see the yeah. land of awesome. Like yeah. we talk about. Yeah. And so, and you uh, struck a chord with me when you said that, um, and I, I would call that mastery and, and um, mastery of your craft, you know, mm-hmm. whatever craft or mastery of your art form. And one of the things that 
I guess I have an issue with uh, in if you say if you say operating system kind of modalities, mm-hmm. right? So it's you know there's uh, you mentioned EOS, there's uh, scaling up, there's a number, there's there's probably a dozen anyway. Right. I'm like, all right, here's this plug and play package of some sort, which is like just fill in the gaps, fill in these blanks, answer these questions, and get somebody to help you kind of pound away on these different areas. And there's super smart, all these areas come from, uh, you know, uh, all of the, the body of, of business analysts, operators, expertise, folks who have written about it, et cetera, et cetera. Right. Um, and it kind of boils down to uh, five or six. Well, I'm going to say five, five basics. Like, first of all, we got to write down and tool up around who are we? And right. you just pounded that, you know, core values. This is our culture. This is who we are. And here's how we talk about it. And here's how we, so that's, but that's the first box is you got to check in an operating system. Who are we? Second box we got to check is why are we doing this? Why don't we have this organization? Right. You know, write it down, hire and fire against it, operate against it, execute against it. Third is, well, what is it that we're doing exactly? And I love, uh, man, I can't remember his name now. Who, uh, Shane, who's the guy who wrote uh, The Road Less Stupid? Oh, yeah, yeah. I can't remember his name. Did you ever read that? The Road no. Less Stupid? Uh, Shane, I don't find it here in a minute. But uh, he kind of says, well, you know, we got to find out what they want, go out and get it, and give it to them. That's what a business is, you know. Like, oh, that's interesting, you know. And so, uh, super simple transaction. And in that super simple, simple transaction, you guys say, "Well, this is what we're selling them." You know, very. It's strategic. What is that strategic niche that you're filling? You know, so who, right? Who are we? Why are we doing this? What is it that we do? You know, so you guys, okay, you do chiropractic, but that's not really what you do. You know, really what you're doing is you're, you're their health coach for life. You know, you're kind of going, hey, right. let us help you figure out how to be healthier, body, soul, spirit, mind, mind body, spirit, whatever. Um, so, you know, what is it we do? Uh, where are we going? That's the fourth thing. We got to be able to say, hey, we got this organization. And if we have, hey, this is who we are around here and why we do it and what we do. Well, we're going to do it a bunch. Well, how? Is what's the like? Is there a destination? Is there some sort of, you know, place we're headed, you know? Uh, and what does that look like? And so that you know, talk me into going with you, essentially. Vision, you can call it vision, right? You know, in a real PC or a, a kind of a I don't know, generic crowd, we'd kind of go, "What's your mission, vision, values, blah blah,", blah. and that all muddies together. But but just want to say, well, where are we going? Right. And is it compelling? What's in it for me? Do I want to go there? Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to give you some of my best years of my life. Why? And there has to be a really meaningful exchange right there, you know, especially in this marketplace where people are have lots of options and lots of uh, choices as far as who to work with. And then lastly, all right, how are we going to execute on that? You know, how are we going to day in and day out kind of turn the crank? What's our What's our playbook? What's this like op- daily operational how-to, if you will? Uh, and so those are the five uh, basics. And in any operating system kind of modality, we're writing those things down, 
regardless of whether it's EOS or scaling up or 10,000 small businesses or great game of business or, you know, whatever, they all are angles on these, this same conundrum, which is we got to figure these things out, write it down, execute against it. So in that though, I constantly see coaches, this comes back to even picking a good coach. I constantly see coaches be all about the tools, right? And uh, one of the things I've noticed as a musician, kind of artist type, is it's not about the tools, you know? And I use this, I don't know if I use this on you guys. Uh, you know, I say, well, you know, Tom Petty, and I love Tom Petty, a big fan of Tom Petty. Uh, hint. <laughs> Shane's going to pull up some Tom Petty here in a minute. Um, That's good. But, uh, yeah, I love the, I love Tom Petty. Uh, but we don't talk about Tom Petty's tools. Like Tom Petty's tools weren't the key to his success. Um, and if you were to say, hey, I'm going to help Tom Petty, so I'm going to teach him about this guitar. You know what I'm saying? Right. Uh, and, you know, and in this album, in this song here, there's a there's a classic guitar that he uses a lot. You see him on like uh, mm-hmm. uh, Damn the Torpedoes. Mm-hmm. Right? He's yeah. got this guitar. He's standing there, this guitar. Like, well, what guitar? Oh, and nobody's ever able to answer that because they're not really paying attention to that. It's a Rickenbacker. All right? it's, this, it's this famous classic guitar. Awesome guitar. And uh, so, you know, well, right. So when we think, think about Tom Petty, we don't think, hey, what you need is a Rickenbacker guitar. Like, no, it's not what he needs. It's a thing. It's valuable, but it's not the thing. What he really needs is this other Rick in his life, which is Rick Rubin, the guy. Uh, now, Rick didn't produce that album. That was Jeff Lynn. Right. But Rick Rubin uh, produced uh, several albums after after that, like uh, Wildflowers uh, mm-hmm. and some others. I don't, I don't remember off the top of my head which other ones he produced, but Rick Rubin is one of the finest producers in rock and roll a fabulous interesting guy to listen to talk to listen to talk about how he he's produced a bunch of uh heavy metal and rap and all over the map genre wise um i think he did some dylan i think he did i mean he's just done just about everybody uh but he's getting the artist to forget about the tools and getting the tools to, quote, disappear in the artist's hands. And when the tool disappears in your hand and you just outcomes the product, outcomes the art, you know you got the right tool. That's, and then you've got what, I'm, what you're calling unconscious competence, which you're like, what tool? Yeah. You know, so it's like a blah, 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 business plan. What business plan? We're just crushing the business. Right. You know, and then when the business plan disappears in your hands, you know you got a good one. Correct. You know what I'm saying? And the, and I feel like that's my job as mm-hmm. a business coach is to get these tools to fit your hands so well that they become part of your operating uh, art, if you will. I agree with and that. And to help you find your art and get you, find your song, so to speak, and get you to sing it or do it or put it out there and, and have the marketplace go, man, we love those guys. <laughs> you know, right. man, we love Powell. 
and uh, and and then uh, have it so that you kind of say, yeah, and get a little tangled up trying to explain it. But and and you know you can't. It's hard to explain mastery. It's hard to say. Well, you know, you just get really good at this stuff, and you know, you yeah. can't really, you can't, you can't, you can't do justice to talking about mastery. But I love that 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 when you said unconscious competence, I think that's what we're after is mastery. Correct. You know, and it's something beautiful, regardless of the uh, format. You know, so you know, a lot of times you ask people, "Hey, what do you like?" What kind of music you like? And I like all kinds of stuff. I'm mean, usually usually that's not true. You know, usually like, well, they like country or I don't know something specific. Both kinds, country <laughs> and western. <laughs> what is there a difference between country and western? Probably somebody's gonna be like, yeah. So, uh, but um, I love music where people are truly talent. They not talent true but they're, they're masters at their craft. And, and that's, you know, people love art that's well done, mm-hmm. regardless of if it's their style or not. So anyway, that's what we're after with your biz too, is mastering these tools and so forth so that they disappear. And it's a real hoot to, to be on the, on the train with you. So Just to coin in to what you just said is that you can have God's gift to play guitar like Tom Petty. Mm. But Tom Petty had to practice mm-hmm. playing guitar. Yeah. Even though he's already God gifted. Yeah. Michael Jordan yeah. had to practice free throws. Yeah. Tiger Woods has to practice putts. Mm. So you want to be a master of your craft. It doesn't come about without effort. That's right. And the only way that effort really works is to have accountability. Yeah. And most people are lousy accountability partners mm. for themselves. Yes, right. So when yeah. you have somebody poking and prodding you, mm-hmm. helping you be accountable mm-hmm. to what is it you said you want, Yeah, that's the difference between doing a job and being a master. Yeah. Yeah, and that's, on, in, some way, it's, in some ways, this is the fun, I'm, I'm going to say it's the fun part, but it's really kind of unsavory, actually. I, it scares me to death, <laughs> truthfully. To be in a room with a with a uh, a client and be like, "Hey, you didn't do that thing you said you were going to do." Yeah. Um, here it comes. I'm going to give it. Accountability is not easy. You know what I mean? And I and it makes me a little nervous. Um, but but I love it because it well, and this is why I'm try I try hard to find the right clients early on to to make sure they have a compelling reason to have the business. Because then it helps me to have a compelling reason to hold them accountable, right. uh, and I think that's the that's the that's the cherry in this picking a coach and being coachable and all that stuff is um, the coach has to have some meaningful. He has to value where you want to go. Correct. That has to mean something to the coach, I think, as well. Right. You know, and I have an, I have a lot of clients. Uh, and they all have very different goals. Uh, mass, ma, ma, I'm going to call it macro goals. You know, big visions, land of awesome, we call it, right? And the ones that have a financial land of awesome doesn't work. Yeah, it's it's a little it's 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 harder. 
they're having a hard time. They have a hard time keeping clients, keeping staff, keeping forward motion. And, you know, dude, I mean, coming back to talent, it's like, well, buddy, it might be you. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we were talking the other day about uh, Steely Dan. Mm -hmm. she, uh, that was had, good. We had Brandon in here. That was fun. And we are talking about Steely Dan. And I don't, you know, we're talking about Steely Dan because of a buddy of ours, Mike Steele, Plugged Mike Steele right there. Mike Steele. What's his, what's his uh, podcast called? I just forgot. Oh, my gosh. You'll look it up. I have to look it up. Plugged to Mike Steele. Uh, awesome guy. Um, pal. But he really likes Steely Dan. And I don't, I have, you know, I grew up with, you know, that era of music. Sure. I mean, you, you did too, right? I did so, too, right? I just never, I, I don't ever, I don't get it. I don't get Steely Dan. I'm just like, eh. And and we had Brandon here, and for some reason we we're talking about it because we had just talked to Mike Steele earlier. Okay, that's why why we're talking about it. And uh, Brandon's like, I don't like how that guy sings. What's his name? Donald Fagan. Okay. Uh, and I'm like, you know, I don't either. And it's like, you know, somebody should have. They were like super into like being highly, highly proficient and bringing in musicians that were super good. Because they're all studio musicians, similar to Toto. All right, actually, some of the Toto guys, Jeff Percaro and some others, have some crossover between the two bands. Um, and it's like, well, somebody should have sat down with Donald Fagan and be like, dude, stop singing. <laughs> <laughs> you know, let's get somebody else in here. Now, you know, the, the other podcast is uh, Weekend Mixtape. Weekend Mixtape. Michael, Michael Anthony, Anthony Steele. Love look, it. On Spotify, look it up. Yeah, he's awesome. Great friend. Uh, but, uh, but but we he, but we he probably disagrees with you. We on this differ. Topic. Yeah. We differ on <laughs> Steely Dan. But <laughs> the point is, like getting back to getting back to like the guys, the fat folks, the men and women with their hands on the steering wheel. You got to say in family business, and local business, small business. Um, all right, are you good at this? Is this your God-given talent? What do you mean to lead people? to manage people, to hold people accountable, to dream up where we're going, to get people to follow you there and execute, and then to hold them accountable if they do or don't. That's a, that's that's a, a big, lot different than working list. on somebody's spinal column and, <coughs> right? Correct. All that. And, uh, and that's where it gets a little sticky. <laughs> you know, because like, well, this is my business. I know. That's why we should hire somebody that can crush it. Like you want, you know, we, I use the Indians often as a metaphor. Like, hey, if you own the Indians uh, and you ran, you said, so I'm going to run out and pitch. Like, well, you can, but we'll probably lose, <laughs> you know? And if you're like, if you own the Indians, you, do you want to lose? Like, is that part of your strategy? Right. Unless, it, unless it's a, what's it, a major league, right? Mm -hmm. right? Major league, they're like, okay. The, the owner's like, okay, we're going to lose a bunch so that they can, remember the, what a great movie. A great movie. Oh my gosh, great movie. And about the Indians. So, um, uh, so unless there's some really good reason to lose, really good, you know, <laughs> which is like in business, like, well, what is that? I don't know that I can't, you know, I don't, I don't know think there is one, yeah. right? So, um uh, but a lot of times it's not a lot of times always it's the owner. So, so folks will sit down. I don't know if I, 
Uh, you tell me if if we did this early on. But I'm like, hey, what's wrong with your business? Or you tell me like, what do you, what are we gonna work on? I'm like, buddy, we're gonna work on you. Right. <laughs> like, you're the problem, uh, and the solution. Correct. Right. Both, not just the problem, but the solution. So, anyway, it's a lot of fun. Well, uh, so, uh, what is your? I want to ask you some about some like kind of muddy waters. So you, as you've, you know, when you think about the years past, maybe, I don't know, let's say 10 years previous, and then if we put this pinnacle or this or this fulcrum, all right, so we, 10 years previous, and you're working up to, and if you look at that 10 years or so, and I'm making up 10 years, but sure, this big previous period of time, and then you turned... And you look back and go, oh, that was muddy. This is not. Talk about muddy waters. What does muddy waters look like for a business owner from your experience? If you're putting energy into a service or a product that is not leading you towards your land of awesome or your mastery, then you are in muddy water. So if we came to you... uh, assuming let's say assuming 10 years ago ownership and all that is what it is now okay so Mm -hmm. just setting all that aside but saying hey jim what's your land of awesome 10 years ago what would you have said well that's a great question i'd have to say it was or still is making a difference in people's lives. And that's what's driven us where we are today, is having that philosophy. But there are things that we were doing business-wise that wasn't necessarily doing our very best in that arena. So it wasn't leading us to making a difference in people's lives to the level that we we're able to now. And so cleaning up your business, the, um, Steve Jobs was being interviewed by, uh, I think it was, I think it was the head of Nike. Mm. And the head of Nike says to Steve Jobs, what do you like about our business? And he says, you make great products. And the guy's like, well, thanks. Then he says, well, wait a minute. Let me back up. You make some things phenomenal and you make other things crap get rid of the crap just focus on Mm. the select he's saying that to the nike guy yeah that's great and interestingly enough the nike guy got rid of (laughs) products that they were doing Mm. and the business grew substantially yeah so the same thing applies to you and your business if you're doing something that's mediocre Mm. even if it's profitable you get rid of the mediocre and just focus mm. on the really good stuff that you bring to mm-hmm. the table. That's a scary <clears throat> transaction, though, or right. scary, scary pivot. Right. All right. So, talk about what has, what, um, what sort of pivots have you had to make that you're like, no, 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 I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to make that change. Right. And then you made the change. And you're like, oh. So great. we had a series of insurance companies. It doesn't matter 
who they are, that we were providing care for those people. We're called a provider when you are signed contract with a specific type of insurance company. Mm-hmm. And it was profitable um, to, ser- to serve those people. But it wasn't the people that was the problem. It was those four insurance companies. Mm. And the requirements and the aspects that they were trying to force us down was going to decrease from patient care and cause us greater problems, still profitable. So we had to choose not to accept those four insurance companies, which mm. was a very scary decision because you're running a business because mm-hmm. the purpose of running a business is to stay in business. Mm-hmm. And if you're deleting profitable entities of your business, it's a difficult mm-hmm. choice. But in doing so, it freed us up to be even more effective yeah. in, in other arenas. And that's a growth opportunity that we had even before we started coaching. Mm. As we saw that the writing on the wall was that that's headed the wrong way. Mm. And we chose not to go that way. Mm. Yeah, that's cool. I I can't help but notice day in and day out, over and over and over again with all my clients at all kinds of uh, intersections, um, the 80-20 principle, the Pareto principle, over and over and over again. It's such a simple concept yes um you know that that and it's it's really simple uh a few inputs create most of the outputs correct and most inputs create a few outputs correct you know the vert uh the vital few versus the trivial many correct uh and so you know taking things that we're working really hard at that are doing okay and then shifting to working really hard at the one or two things that are just phenomenal, uh, and and it's just it's it's always mystifying at how fruitful that is and how it works every time. Every time, yeah. And so there's a few clients that are provide that are creating most of the problems. There's a few clients that are creating most of the profits. There's a few employees that are doing most of the work. Right. Or, or most of the bringing most of the value. There's a few employees that are creating, that are breaking most of the stuff, right? Or chasing away most of our clients or whatever you want to call that. Uh, and that, to me, that's one of the great, I love that, that uh, Richard uh, Koch or Coke, uh, the 80 20 principle right. book for that reason. But, but um, yeah, it's, uh, it's a scary, it's scary to start slicing and dicing and trimming things off of your business that you're used to. Uh, another great book that uh, Brandon Kenny has talked about, and I didn't realize this was going to have such a big impact on him uh, and help him make some really fabulous decisions, uh, is the um, Necessary Endings. Yeah. Uh, what's his name? Cloud. Mr. H- Cloud. Dr. Henry Cloud. Cloud. Henry Cloud. That's yeah. right. That's right. And what a great man! It's great. He he sets up this whole deal around pruning. Correct. You know, I was like, well, pruning is to make things better. <laughs> like you gotta snip, snip, snip. I had a a conversation with a client yesterday, um, who is, uh, how should I say this? He's feeling the burn. 
mm-hmm. right now. <laughs> you know, like, hey, let's do this thing because I want to make my business better and I'm so tired of it. Like, okay, buddy, buckle up. You know, and we started a few months ago. And he's having a, it's it's hurting him. I mean, it's just this, and he's in your size range. Sure. Et cetera. And, um, and we were on the, we were on the phone the other day. I'm not going to use his name. Um, if you're out there, you know who I'm talking about. <laughs> you will know, be like, anyway, so he, um, and we haven't worked much. Okay. So we haven't developed core values. We have almost no tools developed. Uh, we have stepping stone that we're headed toward. Uh, they understand rocks and are, and we've had one set of rocks. I mean, we've literally done like two sessions. And uh, in our first session or two, um, we're doing profit first. So I can start pounding away. You know, I'm putting my antenna on them, so to speak. I'm like, you guys need profit first right now. You know, just like jumped out of the gate with profit first. Which right. you have, don't usually do. No. no. <laughs> yeah, normally it's like six months in or something or maybe longer. Um. So, um, anyway, and it just unearthed this morass or, well, this entanglement of issues. So, um, he's driving along and we, we basically, we do the session a few days ago, uh, which is, uh, the, the gist of it is. And I'm helping them. I'm helping them figure out their percentages of hey, the money's coming in, the money's going out, right? Yeah. Is any of it staying? <laughs> you know, right? No. Okay. Is more going out than it's coming in? Yes. <laughs> okay. Right. Right. So let's figure that out, and let's just measure it, and let's just create some real big buckets and whiteboard, and you, you know been there and done sure. that. big big whiteboard buckets all right so figured out percentages blah 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 blah. came up with a couple really really simple ratio hack kind of things like well when you sell this payroll's got to look like that and if it doesn't you're in trouble like that's the oh my gosh line right you know sure and they were way over it uh way over the oh my gosh line and it's like well what do we do like well sell more spend less or be okay with debt i mean that's it i don't know is there any other options <laughs> ignore it i guess <laughs> i mean that's the same i guess that's it. be okay with that right that's the same yeah. yeah uh which one you want yeah i mean there's no good option here but i mean somebody's gonna have to do something really different uh shane look up the einstein quote not the you know uh the uh one about the behavior, you know, the uh, thinking that's, and that's, so that's, there's a sign sign quote that pe- people misquote uh, around in- insanity, but it's not, that's not him. Uh, I don't remember where I read that. That's not him. But, but anyway, he says the thinking that got you into the mess will not get you out of it. Correct. And there's variations on that quote, yeah. but yeah. Yeah. So I'm like, well, buddy, we have to think and work differently. So, you know, he's like, what do you mean? 
well, you know, we uh, we did this work. You know, you got you've got only two or three levers here. You got to pull one, I mean, or both. I mean, sell more and spend less. Let's do both. Um, so on the spend less side, the biggest side is payroll. I mean, it's monstrous. Well, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Sure. Right? 28 people, $2 million. Can't. That's not going to cut it. Unless you're paying three bucks an hour. Which you're not. Which you're not. That'd be no, 1985. That's, that's right. That's, or, we're in, or we're in some <laughs> other continent or something. It's like, well, that's not. We're not. So, yeah, we're 1985, right? There, yeah, that, Even that was 325. Yeah, so, so 1985, do the math on that. 40 hours a week, 30 people. I got to get a calculator. All right. All right. So Shane's going to come up with that. So we had a $2 million dollar business in 1985. <laughs> I was making 365 an hour. Where? No, 335. 335. When I started driving for the Kent, Kent State bus oh, that in was... 1980. Seven. Yes, that's two years later. That was three sixty five. I was like, yeah. (laughs) And yeah. But what am I figuring out? Um, so if you have thirty people at uh let's say four dollars an hour, what's your payroll? All right. Um at all of them. So you can have a smoking hot two million dollar business. I I think at four bucks an hour, I'm pretty sure. Anyway, so I'm like, buddy, listen. Because you're like, I don't know, I can't figure out how to decide who to cut. Right now, you know how to decide who to cut now because you're all tooled up and you mastered these tools and so forth. It's about five thousand a week. Okay, so what's our what annually? Was that oh well times fifty two? <laughs> yeah, five thousand a week. Yeah, fifty. Yeah, there's about uh, two hundred and fifty thousand. Yeah, so check it, it out. So that's uh, that's a quarter of a billion dollars. If you want. Yeah, so it's twenty five. It's twelve and a half percent. Okay, twelve and a half percent. Uh, you could be successful with twelve and a half percent overhead. Yeah, well, on, on labor, you know. So right. this particular, these particular folks are at seventy percent payroll. That's huge to revenue. So no bueno. Mm. Mm. All right. So anyway, he's like, I don't know who to cut. All right, cool. So I just did this really, really simple. I'm like, Are you driving? He was driving. I'm like, You're driving, right? Yeah, I'm driving. Pull over. <laughs> <laughs> really? Yeah. Like. Pronto, you know, like uh, Lamanos. <laughs> I don't know why I'm doing Spanish today, but <laughs> no bueno. Like you got a pen, uh huh, paper, uh huh. Okay, get it out. All right. So, and I'm gonna send you a picture of it. Okay. So two lines on the paper. Um, the first line, and it's a what do we call this? A uh, matrix. Matrix. Thank you. You're welcome. I can never. I always. I always want to say. You know, whatever. I always say the wrong thing. <laughs> so first line is just say fun. Fun slash likable. Super simple. All right, we got scale of one to ten. Zero's down here. Zero. So if you say this person is not, is like on a scale of one to ten, fun, likable, zero. Hate them. Can't stand them. You know, grumpy, gr- you know, funky, right? One, two, three, four, five. Six, seven, eight, nine, ten. All right. So on this one here, we can say productive. So they work really well, do a great job, really good at what they do. Mm-hmm. Okay. Same thing. Zero. Uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Okay. So you take a bunch of sticky notes 
And you got sticky notes? Uh-huh. Okay. When you get back to the office, or don't do this at office, do this at home and get your CFO lady to come by and with your other leadership team member or two to come by and literally just write one name, everybody's name on one sheet, uh, one sticky note like this, you know, little sticky note, whatever. Okay. And don't tell them what you're doing. Don't tell them why we're doing this. Okay. Or they will... Freak they will lean out. on the scale, all right? Yeah. They'll accidentally overvalue people. So you just kind of like take a name. All right, and you got, he has uh, this, this, I don't know, 20 names. So you write 20 names. All right, so you have 20 sticky notes, 20 names. Got it. Take a name and go, how fun or likable are, are they? Scale of one to 10. And just go up the scale till you get to, oh, there are seven. Okay, cool. Are they, how productive are they? How good are they at what they do? Um, you know, et cetera. Three. Okay, so you go up seven, over to three, stick them on there. Cool. Do all 20 names. Got it. Okay. Now, here's the kicker. Okay. Anybody in this quadrant, fire them. What do you mean? Well, crickets. What did I stutter? I mean, <laughs> dude, like, you don't, you're not going anywhere with those people. They're not helping you, right? They're not, they are a part of the problem. We literally just spelled that out. And so here's the problem that I think most business owners have is once they see the truth, they actually know the truth already. Yes. Generally, right? And But they just kind of like are, I don't, it's almost like they're, I, I don't know if they're scared. There's something. There might like, be an element of that. There's something. Most people don't like confrontation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah. if they're likable and, and they want to give them, the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. They bend the scale to make them more effective than they actually are. Yes. Yeah, that's right. And so, and this comes back to that uh, uh, necessary endings. Like, well, you got to prune. If you prune these people, uh, you, well, you got to prune the folks, prune the branches, let's say, whether it's, Products, services, vendors, employees, clients. You got to prune the ones that are down in here that are 80% of the work and 20% of the fruit, period. You're not going to have a robust business. They're going to disease your plant, so to speak, you know, or they're taking up space that fruitful stuff could take up or whatever. They're, they're, they're unhealthy for you. And that's the biggest issue I see, or one of the primary issues I see with business owners is they don't, they, first of all, they don't have a way to kind of like categorize in a loving way or in an accurate way uh, without being like weird analysis, paralysis type stuff. And to just go, okay, where are these folks at? They're only here, there. Okay. So let's do something about these four. You know, and these four are the ones. And, and I'm like, dude, don't even think about it. Just call them up. You know, like, have you seen Moneyball? Yes. You know, and like, it's yeah, great. yeah, I have. What, what scene? The one where he says, yeah, go, you just go in there and say, we've traded you to Detroit. The name of the manager is such, such. Good luck. You know, good luck. Here's a, here's two, here's a plane ticket. Uh, you, you know, good luck. And then stop. Right? And just now, in an HR sense, you know, you probably got to check a few boxes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, but just get good at snip 
you know, and sorry, let's, we're moving on, you know, but get good at breaking up, right? <laughs> I guess that's all, you know, at the, at the end of the day, break up with these folks here. Just, you could draw a big line right across there and go like, yeah, break up with these people. Correct. They're not going to help you get there. No. They're actually stopping you from getting there. So that sort of thing is, I don't know. I feel uh, it's it's sobering because it's it's uh, there's a lot of heartache, there's a lot of pain. But but again, one of my business coach buddies said, you know what? It's just thirty six hours of pain. That's all it is. You know, you can you can toss and turn for six months and not get a, get sleep for six months, or you can have thirty six hours of pain and just snip, and the pain will go away. You know, in 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 just a day or so, you'll be fine. They'll be fine. They'll get over it. You know, you'll get over it. And you're like, man, why didn't I do this years ago? The the key in in, in from learning this, and then we, we're not mastered at it, but we certainly are better at it than we were from the beginning. But the person that's in that first quadrant doesn't fit in your organization they're not happy mm-hmm. either yeah right but they yeah. don't want to be pushed out of the nest right so they're going to be happy to cash that check and do the very minimum that they can do but they're not happy yeah. you release them to the marketplace you give them the opportunity to go find where they do fit yeah and so if you don't let them go you're being actually harmful or yeah. or un you know unhelpful for them long yeah. term yeah, and they're kind of trusting you in some sense as business owner slash advisor going, hey, I belong here, right? And you need to be like, no, actually, you don't. I don't know where you belong. They know they don't fit. Yeah. You know they don't fit, but yeah. you don't want to talk about it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's not uh, that's not going to get us to where we want to go. So good. what's your good tool? Yeah. I, lo- I just call this whole thing, and I've seen – I've used this matrix – Matrix, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I call it the blue pill now, and because uh, it's the matrix, right? And in the, and so after I kind of was like, "Hey, the blue pill," Shane's like, "Wasn't that Viagra?" <laughs> I'm like, "Oh, he didn't see the movie." Yeah, well, you know, we so that's and that's why I, I love calling it the blue pill. We had to actually look it up. No, we're like, wait, which pill did he take? The blue one or that? I can never remember which one. You know, Orpheus or, or um, uh, Neo. Well, I right. can't remember now. Yeah, no, we, the I think blue we one or the red it. one? It was a blue one. It was the blue one he takes? That's why we call it the blue. I want you to look it up. Oh, my gosh. I think it's the red one. I think so, too. Really? I think yeah. the blue one is the one where he stays. Yeah, blue one is, oh, is that you stay, you stay in, in the, the matrix. matrix. Yeah. Mm. All right, well, I like that better. So, <laughs> red pill. I don't well, know. but so this matrix as a tool is super functional in a bunch of ways. I mean, it's very, very... Uh, did we do the uh, law of the lid? Did we do Did that? The law of the lid. Mm-hmm. I think to to tag onto the the tool. Yes, it's important in your Tom Petty guitar tool aspect. Mm-hmm. The producer still has to guide the artist mm-hmm. to be a master. Mm-hmm. But at some point, he has to introduce the tool that's appropriate at the mm-hmm. time. So that's where the coach comes into yeah. play and says. All right, so Jim's got more employees than he needs, and he's got an ineffective aspect in that. Here's a great tool to help him open his eyes to get the aha moment. Yeah. Oh, yeah, this is the problem, and here's the solution. Yeah. Because you already knew the solution, but when the tool verifies it, yeah, 
now it's a now it's a decision that can be made as opposed to the him haw, yeah. which is what a lot of business owners end up in. Yeah, is oh they're going to get better, you know. Yeah, they don't. One of the things that I find a little challenging uh, because of how I'm made is I have to carefully, I have to be careful about saying, here's what I think you should do. Uh, because it's not my business. You know, I'm not, it's not my job to make your decisions. If you did, they learn nothing. That's right. That's right. And then become dependent on me and... Which is ineffective. Yeah. And I don't, I don't know that, I don't, I don't think I know what you should do. You know, I can help. I have some opinions, I guess, and I have some observations. Right. But at the end of the day, <clears throat> it's my job to get the business owner leadership team to figure out what to do, do it, and own the results of it, whether it's pain or profit, either way. Uh, so I guess even going back to picking a coach, uh, I would pick a coach that you that is good at getting you to do your best thinking. I had on the whiteboard the other day um, when one one of the clients was rolling because I was thinking about them, and uh, I had good idea, good ideas, mm -hmm. bad ideas, more of the one, less, less of the, the other. other. You know, like that's our goal here. <laughs> it's super simple. You got any bad ideas? Uh-huh. Uh, let's do less of those. Okay. I took a picture of him putting yeah. their file. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and it's it's funny, and we were chuckling about it, but like, all right, that's the goal, right? Uh, uh, I love the patent quote, you know, men, we're here because you're willing to die for your country, but the goal is to get the other guy to die for his. Correct. Yeah. All right? And it's like, hey, good job dying for your country. That means we win, right? And I love your patriotism, bro, but we won, and we're going to rewrite history or write history. So, uh, you know, same thing with this idea stuff. Super simple. It's not super complicated as far as what our strategy is. So what's your uh, – and there's no, you know, right answer, wrong answer here. Um, I'm just curious. What's your in, – in the years that you've been doing this with me um, – What's your favorite, I don't know, tool or process that we've done together? Hands down, it's the smack tool. Mm. And we've gotten to the point, and we recognized that you and Shane also recognized it. We had a problem, and we begin this process of analyzing a problem and coming up with a solution, smack. Mm. And it's, you know, symptom, move back away from it, assess it, um, choose. choose, choose the solution, kick it. Mm -hmm. And then the exclamation point is who's accountable for it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So anyway, we began doing a smack session in a session with you without your help. Mm -hmm. So our leadership team just instinctively started to smack mm -hmm. a problem that came up and you guys just kind of sat there mm -hmm. and were like, hey, Jimmy grew up. <laughs> that, was <positive. laughs> that was really fun. <laughs> yes. So, yeah, it was cool. And that's, that's the key is that you find what works for you mm. and then really work it and become a master of that. Mm -hmm. 
because not every tool that we've been exposed to fits us. Mm-hmm. But that's your job is to show the different tools. Yeah. Our job is to figure out, all right, which one really fits us and then become really good at it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not uh, married to tools. I am married to your success. Uh, and that's why I have to be really bought in to your why mm-hmm. and your where. Right. Uh, and be able and feel like, man, can I speak into their how and their what and their who, you know, and be able to get them to see some of the things that and get them to populate this stuff in a really smart, powerful way. So the smack, I'm, it's, I, it's one of my favorites, too. It's hard. It's really one of the hardest to get people to do, though. Uh, or I should say one of the most frustrating because uh, I'll sit there and watch them. You know, and people typically do this where, and you know, you know what I'm talking about, where they'll, they'll just fuss about, so there's this problem. All right, so we tee up a problem, and let's just say we're not making enough money. Let's use something really generic. We're not making enough money. And then all this like fuss and fuss and fuss, 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 and going around the table and this guy complains and this guy complains and this lady complains. And then that one, you know, grandstands for a little while. And then this one politics for a little while. And then that one's like, what's all your fault? And then this one goes, we'll just fire everybody. And it just, you know, and it's just this like fuss session, complaining and griping and then, and then dominating and then accusing, and then defending, right? And, it's just, and then we all get really tired, or they all get tired, and they kind of look at each other, and like, all right, that was a good meeting, right? It's like, no. <laughs> you know, and they kind of walk away going, uh, you got that, right? I mean, <laughs> nobody's got anything, you know? It was, just a, it was just a fight. It was a street fight, and, and the quiet people smartly held back, and the dominating people predictably dominate, dominated. And uh, so it's just really hard to get a team to go, oh, we do that, huh? You know, so in the way this tool came about, I'm so glad you like that tool. That's one of my faves too. Um, is, uh, so when I was a pure orange guy, dyed orange EOS uh, implementer, I had these clients that were like, and IDS is the tool, right? Identify, discuss, solve, roots. Like, great, right, should do that. And they would look at me like, hey, coach, um, how do you do that? Like, they didn't know how. And, and I'm like, wait, what do you mean you don't know how? Like, what's the symptom? Or what's, what's the root of the, what's the issue? Blah, blah, blah. What's causing that? Crickets. <laughs> Like, wait, so so even going back to the guitar thing, so, oh, so I actually have to teach him how to play the guitar? Yeah. Huh. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, so you own this band, and you can't play? No, not very well. Oh. Huh. So, <laughs> like, well, you know, modulate from C to, you know, E flat. Like, what's that? Oh, Okay. Oh, all right. That's what we're dealing with, you know. So, so anyway, what I ha- I realized that they uh, that I had to come up with. I actually had to teach people how to recognize the 
transition through an argument and facilitate, help them self-facilitate. First, I had to facilitate and then get them to self-facilitate moving from, hey, we have this pain, this symptom, this history. Here's what happened. Uh, here's why I'm frustrated. Here's, here's my opinion. Here's how I feel. Great. Those are all symptoms. That's, all, that's part of the S part in SMAC. To, okay, so then if that's all those things, here's what happened, here's how I feel, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Well, what's causing that? And that's that's what I don't see people do in arguments, you know, even in a uh, a relationship argument, like, hey, you hurt hurt my feelings, or hey, I think you this thing, you're this thing, or that thing is a problem, or I'm frustrated. Okay. Well, what's causing that frustration? Yeah. Well, it's your you're a jerk. <laughs> you know, like, well, okay. So, well, what's causing that? You know, and to get to a root, to finally get to the place where you're like, let's keep moving back until we go, that's the root, this symptom. And, you know, from your practice, sure, people dealing with symptoms all the time. Hey, hey, doc, can you just give me some cream to rub on this thing? Like, no, it's not a cream issue. Like, yeah, we can start, we can treat the rash. But you ever heard of vitamin D? <laughs> you know, or, right? You got some, like you have a root issue in your in your diet or in your... I use the word gizzard. I love that. You know, giz, gizzard, gizzard is my generic body part. You anything know, internal. Anything internal. So like, well, your gizzard is busted, right? So, But you got to fix the gizzard, quote, unquote, to make the rash go away. And from there, really? And, you know, folks can't make that connection for some reason, generally. But you got to kind of teach them how. And so that's been really fun to watch you guys get good at navigating, taking your conversation and steering it from, oh, I think we're talking about symptoms. So what's causing that? And you guys kind of poke at each other and you and you naturally just go right to the root mm-hmm. and pretty much go, well, so what are we going to do about the root? And you start assembling or, or, or assessing or gathering. And this is the A and smack, you know, here's what we could do. Well, we could do nothing or we could fire everybody or we could, you know, sell the business or, you know, you start coming up with potential solves to the root. And this is in an EOS modality. All right. Well, let's, let's identify the root, discuss the root and solve the root. And I just, I've just noticed that people can't do that very well. They're used to treating the symptoms, not the cause. Yeah. Yeah, and basically, I just want to go, I feel better now. Well, okay, but the root's still there, you know, and so it's going to come back. Well, the analogy is you get into a fight with your wife, mm. and you go to the grocery store, and you yell at the cashier. Yeah, you just vented, mm-hmm. but you didn't solve the mm-hmm. cause of the fight. Mm-hmm. You have to go and address the issue. Yeah. And typically, if it's your wife, you're the one at fault. Yeah. And most of the guys that are listening understand that's probably true, mm-hmm. regardless of the situation. Mm-hmm. Not that they're always right, but the reality is, is that you're the hot head most of the time. Yeah. So if you can pull back away from it and just look at it for a second, mm-hmm. odds are you can discover the cause of it. Yeah. You're usually your biggest problem. Mm-hmm. 
But as soon as you figure it out, then you can change. I mean, Jim Rohn, one of my favorite uh, authors and speakers, he says it this way, you know, the wind blows all boats Mm. towards the shore. So the difference between a successful business and a non-successful business is the one that sets the sail. It doesn't matter which way the wind blows, Mm. your boat's going to go the way you want it to go. Mm -hmm. So you have to set the sail. Mm -hmm. The only way to set the sail is to know where you want to go, A, Mm -hmm. and what's impeding you, Mm B. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I love that you uh, love Smack Tool. And we got, don't we have a video for Smack? I think we do. Yes, we do. Thinkific dot... Lodestone.thinkific.com. Can you fly in a little, you know, one of them local? Sure, I'll make a little note about that. Right there, like, yeah. go ahead and click that. I don't know if they can click it, but they, I'll put something. Okay, there. Yeah. we'll put something up there. Well, you know, I love you. Love you too, bud. Uh, it's been a hoot doing this with you. I love. Uh, we'll have you back a bunch of times uh, to to discuss other particular parts of your biz, and uh, sure. just wanted to. Wanted to get you in. So if we were to let, if we were to do a book club with you, you know about our little book club, right? That we're doing. Um, and one of the things with the book club is we're picking somebody to stick with on the book that we'll have back three or four times as we go through the book. So, is there a uh, interesting, compelling, uh, c- context laden, businessy book? that you want to read down the road here? Probably reread. Okay. And that's the advantage. Oh, yeah? Okay. Yeah, cool. Patrick Lencioni. All right. Because it's a, it's a clean, it's a, it's a bigger book than he has written. Most of his yeah. books are yeah. thinner. Yeah, yeah. But there's a volume of information. And the key for it, for me, is, is that repetition is the master of skill. Mm. So I've already read it a couple times, being encouraged to refocus on that with something I know that would benefit me. So that would mm-hmm. be the one I would choose. Yeah. Cool. Well then we will tee that up, uh, for you when we do the advantage, we'll have you, uh, be our co-host and we'll just throw that back and forth. We'll go through it together. Appreciate that. Awesome. Jim Powell, Powell Chiropractic. Love you, brother. Love you too. Thanks. Go out with some music. Yep. Got just the one here. You gonna back down? No. No. <laughs>